Welcome to uh, the 11th episode, episode of the Lebanese Physicians Podcast. And today uh, we have Dr. Fouad Shibib. Uh, Dr. Shibib is a uh, consultant uh, of nephrology at the uh, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And he is uh, specialized in uh, polycystic kidney disease particularly. Uh, the reason I'm inviting him right now is because he has a uh, great initiative right now to provide the dialysis uh, machines that are much needed currently in Lebanon. And uh, we will be discussing more about that today. Uh, welcome, Dr. Shbib. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Diab, for having me. Of course, of course. So can you briefly tell us about uh, yourself, uh, your connection to Lebanon, and uh, your journey over here to the U.S., and how you ended up at the Mayo Clinic? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I'm from Lebanon, originally from Zahri. So um, I finished my high school. And actually, I tried to come to the United States for a medical school, even when I was uh, right from high school. But that was a difficult task, given given that uh, international medical grad or international graduates are a little bit hard to get into medical school. So, so I went through uh, the usual. So I went through the pre-med uh, at AUB, and then I did my medical school at uh, Balaman University. So graduated in 2008, and then. Uh, knowing that I want to uh, uh, do my training and career in, in uh, the United States, um, I decided to move right after the medical school and did uh, two years of research as postdoctoral fellowship at Beth Israel Deaconess. And so that was uh, uh, in molecular nephrology with the intent that uh, my interest in is in polycystic kidney disease. Uh, and then I stayed in Boston at St. Elizabeth Medical Center for uh, for my internal medicine uh, training, and then that helped me to get into the fellowship I, I wanted, which is uh, at Mayo Clinic. And the reason why I chose Mayo Clinic was mostly because of my connection to polycystic kidney disease. So uh, a lot of you know that my father has polycystic kidney disease, so that inspired me uh, to find uh, kind of a better, uh, either a cure or better treatments for polycystic kidney disease, so, uh, so patients don't have to be on dialysis. Um, so I did my fellowship and then I stayed on as uh, as staff. So I did an additional two years of research uh, through a Mayo, what's called Mayo Scholar, uh, with specialty in calcium signaling and cyclic signaling. So more of basic science and translational uh, research in, in polycystic kidney disease. Great work. Hopefully, hopefully we'll find a good cure uh, soon for the disease. Uh, so uh, and and I know I know right now that you are uh, involved in a an initiative to bring dialysis machines to to Lebanon. Can you tell us more about uh, what's going on in Lebanon uh, right now uh, in terms of dialysis situation? Uh, are all patients able to access dialysis in the country, or have there been problems with uh, with access to dialysis uh, given the COVID nineteen and economic situation in the country at this point? Uh, yeah, so I've been uh, given my family is still in Lebanon and I visit frequently and I know uh, all the nephrologists, I've been uh, aware of the situation of uh, the Lebanese patients. So let's divide that into two categories. One is the acute need for the acute dialysis or need for acute dialysis and then the chronic dialysis treatment. So for the acute uh, need for dialysis, such as in patients with in the intensive care units, uh, they are hypotensive, in shock, and they need uh, uh, dialysis, most of those patients don't have access to what, what we have here in the United States or in Europe, which is the continuous renal replacement therapy. So when someone is very sick on multiple pressors, 
they cannot tolerate the uh, traditional hemodialysis for three to four hours. They need the what we call the CRRT or the continuous renal replacement therapy. So in fact, only two uh, medical centers in Lebanon have those machines and all the others don't. And typically those patients would not tolerate the intermittent hemodialysis in the other uh, centers and uh, they would actually uh, die just because of inability to dialyze and due to the lack of the proper resources. Despite that the nephrologists are very well uh, trained and um, they have the expertise, they just need the resources. And this was actually, I wasn't aware of that despite uh, knowing uh, the nephrology world and, and the Lebanese uh, nephrologists. Uh, and this, this came to, uh, to my attention when my father was very, very sick and he needed that, uh, that uh, uh, modality of renal replacement therapy. And with the help of a lot of people, we were able to get it to him. And he was the first patient who jump-started the program with the help of the nephrologist there. And he was the first patient to be on that treatment through a demo, demo machine, a demonstration machine that, that would move from one uh, uh, center to the other. So it actually took seven to two hours of nonstop calls to get it, to, to make it happen. It almost felt like a mission impossible, to be honest with you. And it's very difficult to, if, if one of our loved uh, ones would need such a treatment, it's very hard to get it. Um, and then when someone is very sick, you can't transfer him just to that medical center. So what I did is I tried uh, to have, you know, my father passed away, unfortunately, but now we're trying to help uh, the others who are going through this situation uh, to be able to access uh, these resources or these dialysis machines. Uh, so we uh, we launched the initiative uh, of uh, funding at least ten uh, CRT machines, um, and then divide and, and uh, distribute them to the uh, medical academic medical centers in Lebanon. Uh, so so far, uh, so the goal is two hundred thousand. Uh, to buy 10 machines. And so far we have about 63 uh, and, and more people are pledging to, to donate. So hopefully we can reach the goal. So this is kind of the need for the acute dialysis. Now the other uh, part, which is also very, very critical is the need for, uh, or the resources for chronic hemodialysis. So uh, there's about 4,500 to 5,000 patients who have end-stage kidney disease. So kidney failure, they need three times a week dialysis, each time three to four hours. They would go to a dialysis center and they need that hemodialysis. Uh, so Lebanon was one of the first countries uh, to actually have a universal coverage for these patients through the Ministry of Health. And that's, that's really uh, uh, you know, pioneering of the Lebanese health and the Lebanese uh, coverage, right? So uh, even in many other countries right now in the world, uh, people have to pay either from their insurance or out of pocket to be able to dialyze. Uh, so this was, up till now, this has been kind of very good for all the Lebanese patients and to, to be able to go to a dialysis center and then be covered by the Ministry of Health. But now due to the uh, economic situation and a lot of, uh, despite having the machines, the, the regular dialysis machines and the centers, there's a lot of difficulty in getting the filters and the, the, the one-time use uh, consumables. Uh, if you may say. Um, so this, uh, with, with the exchange rate differences and the inability to import, to import these, these uh, medical uh, necessities, um, the dialysis centers are not able to, cover, to, to maintain and sustain the ability to dialyze these patients. So 
the first step that currently just happened a few days ago is that the uh, insurer or the uh, the insurers have increased the uh, the reimbursement, but this is not going to solve the problem because it's expected that the exchange rate is going to potentially keep going up. Hopefully not, but this is going to continue to remain a problem because the diocese centers won't be able to afford uh, uh, continuing diocese for the for the current patients. And a lot of diocese centers are facing a problem of potentially not accepting new patients. So although right now, right now we have 4,500 to 5,000 patients, but in the future, let's say next month, you have five new patients that need dialysis, uh, there, might be, um, there might be a concern that these dialysis uh, centers won't be able to accept because they cannot sustain, they cannot continue to pay the, uh, the nurses, the technicians, getting the, the need for the equipment, maintaining the equipment. Um, so uh, we might be facing a, a crisis, hopefully not, hopefully not. So uh, similar to the first initiative, uh, we're kind of anticipating these problems. And you know, in 2021, no one should be facing the problem of uh, saying, okay, we're not gonna dialyze you three times a week, we're just gonna do twice a week. That's not acceptable. It's not acceptable for someone let's say a friend, a family member who needs dialysis and they have to go and pay out, pay out of pocket and they don't have the, I mean, it's expensive because it's a lifelong three times a week. It's not only one treatment. So no one would be able to really afford uh, paying out of pocket the dialysis treatment. So we have to find a, a solution. The main solution is through the government, of course, but, uh, but as I always say, if there's a problem and the government is not there, the the mujtama al madani, the civil society, should uh, step in. Uh, we should. So I'm kind of right now thinking of another initiative or another actually non-profit organization that would take care of uh, chronic diocese patients, but also other patients who are really needing uh, the resources to maintain uh, just the basics for medications. Uh, and so forth. Uh, and even a lot of patients uh, worry about their future. So that, that's really very stressful in a year of pandemic. So on top of the pandemic, the risk of COVID uh, and their high risk of mortality, now they have to worry if they're gonna be able to stay on dialysis or not. And they, they all understand that once you stop dialysis or if you decrease your dialysis sessions, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do well. And I agree with you on the uh, CRRT machines. I mean, when I was working there in one of the uh, major academic medical centers in Beirut, we did not have access to a CRRT machine. And actually, everybody was on uh, hemodialysis uh, and not on CRRT for, for various reasons, uh, some of which you have uh, discussed yourself right now. So that right now, your initiative is mainly to try to get uh, the 10 CRRT machines and then you will work on the other initiative of trying to uh, get the equipment needed to maintain outpatient dialysis for the patients, right? Exactly. The other one is more of a long-term and anticipated kind of needs. And hopefully it would be a non-profit, so it's easier to get bigger donations from Lebanese and non-Lebanese living in the United States, because that would be kind of tax deductible and so forth. And hopefully we kind of get bigger, bigger uh, funds, uh, and then we'll have people on the ground through the Lebanese Society of Nephrology and other physicians who are willing to help to, to kind of decide who's, who's really the patient in need and then just provide them what they need. So. And, uh, and right now, how uh, I, I know you've reached about maybe, would you say 35% of your target approximately? 
Yes, so about, yeah, yeah, that's right. And about three machines. So hope, hoping for at least a fourth machine. I know, uh, you know, I mean, the donations were from anywhere from $5 to $5,000. And many of the Lebanese physicians actually living in the States or abroad. And a lot of them are also nephrologists and they understand the importance of CRT. So they were very, very generous in, do, in their donations. So hoping to get even to the 200,000. So I'm reaching personally with to everybody. Uh, and a lot of people love Lebanon, even if they're not Lebanese and they understand the, the need, uh, but particularly Lebanese, Lebanese doctors that they want to pay forward for uh, uh, with these initiatives, but also they want to take care of their families. So it doesn't have to be someone with chronic kidney disease or someone with end-stage kidney disease. It could be anybody who, unfortunately, if they get COVID, they get kidney failure, if they get through cardiac surgery, and you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of people who lost their uh, loved ones just from from that. And I've heard at least ten stories uh, on how they lost their loved ones because they couldn't get the machine. Um, so, so we should. I mean, that's just kind of a mission-oriented one-time thing, and hopefully, we can build on that. And it's it's kind of uh, uh, very practical. And 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 you know, we get the machine, we're gonna see it in those hospitals, and then. All the money from from all the money 100 is going to go towards uh the mission and there's not kind of uh, uh any any percentage usually in in big organizations you know as as overhead there's no overhead it's just me buying the machines and it goes directly to the to the end consumers right so that's a good thing so basically zero administrative fees 100 of the donations goes towards buying the machines and then potentially, I'm sure you will need money to help with maintenance of the machines afterwards, right? Sure. So within the purchase, the first year is is uh, the maintenance is within the purchase, so it's it's covered by the company. And uh, the reason why we're choosing this company because they have a good presence in Lebanon, they have a good customer service, and they're engineers. So personally, when I, they were troubleshooting the machine, the engineers came and fixed it right away. Uh, their their technologists would uh, uh, train the nurses and they're kind of hands-on and uh, probably will do more seminars and more people would to uh, to train the nurses uh, and the physicians don't need any training most a lot of them are are trained in, in the US and the Lebanese Society of Nephrology is also hands-on in helping it's amazing how it's very collegial how they try to help the programs to to build up their programs and and help uh, the patients so uh, which is very nice in Lebanon. Everybody knows each other. So, have you, so have you delivered any machines yet? You have, you said, right? Not yet. So I have three uh, secured funds so far. Um, so I was debating if we should wait until the, the goal is reached or just start. Probably I would just start uh, uh, hoping to get the four machines and then maybe we'll deliver, deliver the first batch. Um, but I am in touch with the company and trying to also negotiate the price because I want the lowest price possible. So if we get a little bit more, then we, we can negotiate maybe better. Too. Basically, you're buying them and delivering them to the hospitals, right? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm buying them directly from, from the company. Uh, and then through the Lebanese Society of Nephrology, we'll try to figure out which uh, academic centers are are able to, to start the program. Uh, uh, there's always this concern that would the patient be able to afford even just the filter of the uh, CRRT machine. It's about $200 or so, and it, it lasts 48 to 72 hours. So there's always the concern that $200 now it's becoming a big deal in Lebanon, unfortunately. 
uh, and then yeah so hope hopefully if we get maybe like a fraction of the, some like additional money that we cannot buy a full machine maybe we'll buy more filters also so we can help with that and there's also the replacement fluids they're actually locally manufactured they're not that expensive um, so hope hopefully that shouldn't be a hurdle in terms of the logistics to maintain and continue and offer the treatments and give an example, I think, just for people to hear it. I think one example of people who may need the machine is a is what's happening now in Lebanon now. COVID is rampant, and you get a, a significantly sick COVID patient with low blood pressures from the infection and with kidney failure uh, that needs to be that needs to be dialyzed, and potentially putting them on regular hemodialysis. You have to pull fluid out very quickly. And they will not be able to tolerate that, and therefore you will not be able to dialyze them adequately, and therefore you would need this machine to try to dialyze them slowly and uh, keep their blood pressure in check as you are doing that. Uh, in the absence of this machine, this patient may not be able to tolerate to be dialyzed and may pass away due to the absence of machines like this. Exactly. And in fact, the, the way how it goes, which is a little bit traumatic to the family, and to the patient if he's awake or she's awake, that they actually the family or the patient have to sign that if they are on the the regular dialysis machine and some I mean if they get cardiac arrest it's not it's kind of their responsibility I mean they're kind of this is a last resort and it's not safe but then it's if if it's not safe but then if you don't do it you're gonna die anyway a lot of times you this the family has to sign an agreement that. This is this is done under kind of this uh, agreement that you know it's a last resort type thing, which is very traumatic. You know, what is what is what is your website uh, for people to donate? I'll, I'll for sure I write it down next to the podcast, but if you can tell it, say it to us too, that'd be good. Uh, sure. So it's a GoFundMe, and it has a lot of kind of, of uh, random uh, letters and numbers, but I did the tinyurl.com. So if you type tinyurl.com slash kilna libnain, so K-I-L-N-A-L-E-B-N-E-N, so it would direct you to that. Or if you Google GoFundMe and my name for Achbib, or uh, you can do GoFundMe and then CRRT uh, Initiative or CRRT Lebanon, it should, it should come up. And that's all on my uh, social media thing. So I've been kind of little... It's, it's my way of healing, actually. So I was, my, my father passed away and I wasn't able to be there due to various reasons. So this was a way of kind of in his memory and just for, for kind of channeling that pain into a, a good cause. Um, so if you, if you have me on social media or if you'd like to add me, you will, uh, I'll be happy to send the link. This is a great work, I think. Uh, uh, you, you are trying to improve things in the country right now and I mean, as, as people, I think, I think as most people know, uh, the, the situation right now is, is uh, not very good in the country in terms of the availability of uh, dollars to import equipment. And uh, this is leading to uh, a decreased availability of, of a lot of equipment. Uh, so I think initiatives like yours are going to be needed more and more in the future. Uh, to yep. try to maintain uh, some level of uh, supplies and good care to uh, the patients over there. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that for your initiative. And I think uh, just keep us updated once uh, you deliver your first machine to get some stories of uh, patients who have benefited uh, from it over there. 
absolutely yeah more pictures and more stories hopefully just kind of to lift up the mood as well i mean a lot of bad stories are are on social media all the time with with COVID. so hopefully we can we can brighten up the mood with uh, with more initiatives. Hopefully this is a good story of, of collaboration between nephrologists in the U.S. and nephrologists in Lebanon, the Lebanese Society of Nephrology over there, which can be built upon uh, with other societies in Lebanon to, to improve uh, the situation there. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you.